Thanks for joining us today on The Wisdom Journey. Today's lesson brings us to Acts 9. Have you ever found the Christian life to be hard? Serving the Lord is not the easiest path in life. That's why we all need the support and encouragement of others. In Acts, Saul discovered this reality. For Saul, that support came from a man named Barnabas. We all need a Barnabas in our life. Stephen called this lesson a wicker basket and a bridge builder. Some time ago, I read the biography of Joseph Stalin's daughter, and I read it uh, for one primary reason, and that was her defection to the United States after her father's death. You can imagine uh, that was headline news. It was a major embarrassment to the former Soviet Union that the daughter of their dictator would defect to the United States. Well, let me tell you, that same kind of embarrassment is being felt by the religious leaders in Jerusalem right about now in our study through the book of Acts. They can't believe that one of their own, this brilliant young scholar named Saul of Tarsus, has just defected to the Christian church. This was headline news, not only for Saul and Judaism, but also for the church, the church that is now scattered abroad because of persecution. We read in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, that Saul was chosen by Jesus Christ to be his witness before the Gentiles and kings and and the children of Israel. And, And I don't want you to miss the next verse where the Lord says here, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Well, now as we pick back up the biography of Saul here in Acts chapter 9, he's still in Damascus among the believers. He's, he's regained his sight now. He's been embraced by the church. And then here in verse 20, we read, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. Well, let me tell you, I cannot imagine the shock, the uproar this must have caused in the Jewish synagogues and among all those Jewish leaders back in Jerusalem. In fact, verse 21 gives us a little glimpse of what happens next. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name, this name of Jesus? And has he not come here to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one. Well, nobody can stand up to Saul. He takes the Old Testament scriptures. He's been studying them for his entire life. And now he uses the Old Testament to point to Jesus, the Messiah. Now, these verses that follow describe Saul's departure from Damascus and his return to Jerusalem. Uh, But there's actually a, a time interval between verse 22 and verse 23. In fact, that little space between verse 22 and verse 23 is three years long. Over in Galatians chapter 1, Paul fills in this gap by explaining in 
verse 17, that he went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then he says in in verse 18, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So he doesn't really give us the details of this three-year period of time, but we do know that God enrolled him, well, in in a private university taught by Professor Holy Spirit. He he got a divinely written curriculum, and it educated him in the New Testament doctrines and the truths about the church and the Christian life. Now, what we do know back here in Acts chapter 9 is, is that three years later, Saul returns to Damascus, and he begins preaching and teaching again. And within days, opposition reaches a boiling point. Verse 23 tells us that the Jews plotted to kill him, and no wonder he had been personally assigned by the high priest to eliminate Christianity, and now he's defending it. Verse 24 says, they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. They're going to catch him. They're going to kill him. Now, there's, there's no way out, frankly. They're watching the gates, we're told, day and night, but evidently, uh, nobody thought of watching the windows. Verse 25 says, His disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. The word for basket here refers to a large wicker basket. It might very well have been woven earlier to allow Christians to escape when Saul arrived. But now it's used by Saul himself. Well, don't miss the irony here. Saul was going to ride out of Damascus, having captured followers of Jesus. But now he's a fugitive. He's running for his life. He's going to head over to Jerusalem, where he hopes to find a a, a welcome mat laid out for him by the apostles. He's in for an unpleasant surprise. Verse 26 tells us, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. They'd read the headline news. They'd heard the rumors, but they didn't believe them. I imagine there were skeptics who couldn't believe Stalin's daughter wanted to defect and become an American citizen. Well, these believers here cannot imagine that Saul would defect Judaism and want to become a Christian. Well, we can understand their skepticism. They'd lived in fear of this man. When they heard that he went to Damascus, they were probably praying for the believers there to escape. And then when they heard the rumor that he'd become a Christian and then disappeared into Arabia and was gone for three years, they probably assumed, well, good riddance. He, he's, he's, he's gone for good. But all of a sudden, here he is in Jerusalem. They don't, they don't believe he's become a disciple of Jesus. In fact, they're thinking he's an undercover agent for the Sanhedrin. For just a moment, I want us to slip into Saul's sandals. You know, the Sanhedrin hates him, wants him dead. The church doesn't believe him, won't accept him. At this point in time, Saul has nowhere to turn. There's not one friendly face here in Jerusalem. Well, there is one. There's a man who's about to build a bridge for Saul to walk over and join the Jerusalem church. This bridge builder's name is Barnabas. Verse 27 tells us, Barnabas took him 
and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Well, this introduction implies that Barnabas has met with Saul. He's personally heard his testimony, and he's convinced Saul is a genuine believer in Jesus. And he takes Saul now himself personally and introduces him to the apostles. No details are given here, but evidently Barnabas is able to convince the apostles. In fact, over in Galatians, we're told that Saul met with Peter and James, the Lord's half-brother, who is now the pastor-teacher in the church at Jerusalem. Well, it doesn't take very long at all for Saul to begin preaching. Verse 28 tells us he is preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Well, once again, the Jewish leaders uh, start plotting how to kill him. And once again, just like the believers in Damascus, the believers here in Jerusalem step up to save Saul's life. We're told here in verse 30, when the brothers learned this, that is the plot to kill Saul, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. In other words, they, they send him back to his hometown of Tarsus, located there in Cilicia in Asia Minor. Now, with that, we come to the conclusion of this section of Acts here in chapter 9, and, and we're given a, a little summary statement here in verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, let me remind you, beloved, the the Lord hasn't called us all to play uh, the same kind of role in the church today. I, I frankly, have never had to escape out a window. I haven't had to sail across the sea to save my life. I'm I'm more like that church leader who, who once said that wherever the apostle Paul went, they started a riot, and wherever I go, they serve me tea. Well, we, we each uh, have a different role to play, a different generation, a different culture. The important point is that we are playing our role God's given to us. Today, you might be a courageous pioneer. You, you might be some anonymous basket weaver. You might be a, a bridge builder like Barnabas. The point is, whatever the Lord brings to you, ask him for the strength and the grace to accomplish it for his glory. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called A Wicker Basket and a Bridge Builder. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. One of Stephen's passions is training and equipping men and women for service to God. That's why he's also the founder and president of Shepherd's Theological Seminary. The school was founded with the vision of equipping men and women for service to God And graduates of Shepherd Seminary are, in fact, serving God all over the world. Many men have earned their degrees and have gone out to plant churches or serve existing churches. 
If you or someone you know is interested in graduate level theological training, I encourage you to consider STS. We have many people who just take a class or two. They want to have a better understanding of the Bible. So, even if God has not called you to full-time Christian ministry, the classes STS offers will help you. And one great feature is that you don't have to leave your current job or relocate. The courses are offered both in person and online. You can join in with a class of students from wherever you are. If you want to study in person, the main campus of Shepherd Seminary is in Cary, North Carolina. Learn more about the opportunities at wisdomonline.org forward slash STS. Stephen and the world-class faculty he's assembled are eager to invest in you. Please plan to join us next time along this wisdom journey through the Bible.